Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Fast Talk. Street Talk. Talk Radio. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio, the world headquarters of common sense the morning after the night before where the cracks finally started to appear in the facade that is Boris Johnson's authority. Last night, 100 Tory rebels refused to vote with the government's COVID passport restrictions and even Jeremy Corbyn joined their ranks while the huge bulk of the Labour Party decided to side with the man Sir Keir Starmer has called unfit to lead. It was a mockery of democracy but it is a big enough blow to Boris that we need to take it quite seriously. Charles Walker MP called it a cry of pain for the Conservative Party. So Geoffrey Clifton-Brown says Boris is now in some danger. Those are his words. And there are dark warnings now that if the Prime Minister doesn't change his approach, the party will not be uniting in the new year, particularly if they suffer tomorrow at the Shropshire by-election. Tom Hunt, Tory MP for Ipswich, will tell us why he voted against the government and what it means for the future of the government's COVID policy. Because let's face it, there's quite a lot of questions to be answered and quite a lot of questions to be asked. And I'm not sure that we will ever get a straight answer out of anyone who is currently sitting in Downing Street. 03444991000. Up first this morning, we're talking to Man on Sunday commentator Dan Hodges with his take on the events of the last few days. Can Boris expect to be taken seriously anymore? Has he lost the trust of many members of his own party? And just what is the truth about the Omicron variant? Because the mad scientists are already, are already warning of one million infections per day, but nobody seriously believes that. And of course, there are all the usual warnings about pressure on the NHS. Is there going to be any end to it? People have already worked out if you're going to get as many infections as they're claiming are going to happen, the entire country will be infected by New Year's Eve. Nobody seriously believes that. 0344 499 1000. Meanwhile, the government is busy trying to convince everyone that there are plenty of lateral flow tests that go around, even though uh, they've run out of them. Uh, and also there are plenty of booster spots around, despite all the queuing. Righto then. Uh, Helen Dale joins us this morning too with her take on the events of the week. And it's Prime Minister's questions, of course, the last one of the year. So Peter Cardwell will be joining us. It will be a strange atmosphere in the Commons for sure. 03444991000. After all, the Tory rebels are now the official opposition. As ever, of course, we need to hear from you. What are you doing? What are you planning? And what are you cancelling? If you test positive today, you'll be self-isolating at Christmas. Marvellous, isn't it? That's where we are, literally. Maybe people won't take a test in that case. And if you're in the hospitality business, you must be seething. The bottom has literally fallen out of everything. And we'll be finding out just how bad it is. 0344 499 1000. You listen to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's say a very good morning to Dan Hodges. It's been quite a confusing few days, as ever. Perhaps Dan can help us out to try and navigate our way through it. Dan, a very good morning to you. And a good morning to you. So, um, it's all a bit confusing, really, isn't it? I've been following your tweets with some interest. You've been asking a lot of questions about Omicron. You know, is it really as serious as they're making it out? In which case, the, 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 the restrictions are not enough. And if it's not as serious as they're making it out, then why are they doing it? Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, I literally, we had this sort of apocalyptic briefing yesterday in which Chris Whitty had uh, reportedly spoken to the Cabinet and said that within four weeks... The NHS will literally be collapsing. Hospitals will be having to shut their doors and yeah. turn patients away. Um, fine. OK, well, if that's what ministers and, and the prime minister genuinely believes, then obviously I would, one would presume we need to take drastic measures to to prevent that from happening. But that's not what we got yesterday. We got some more masks and we got some COVID passports. And 
it, 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 it this just seems to be to be a binary issue if things are as apocalyptic as we're being led to believe then presumably we should see the government introducing very stringent measures to to protect the nhs as they've done in the past yeah but if it's not then what you know and, and ministers don't believe those figures and as you said this you know this this idea that i mean if it's doubling every two days by the weekend a million people will be walking around with covid or hopefully you know being locked up with covid I, I, if you believe that then the, the, the measures that the, the, the government are proposing don't, don't match the scale of the crisis mm. and it makes me think that ministers themselves don't believe the figures that they're they're, they're telling us no well that seems to be the problem because while all the data uh, that we've seen which is not an awful lot i admit seems to suggest that Omicron is not very important, it's not very dangerous, it's not likely to kill very many people. Um, the government, meanwhile, say, well, we haven't really got the data, but just in case it's bad, we're going to do this. But 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 that's that's precisely the point. I mean, what do we what have we been told about Omicron? I mean, obviously, you know, the information is still developing, but there seem to be a number, number of things. Yes, as everybody says, it's more trans, transmissible. I mean, that is that seems to be quite clearly the case. It equally seems to be the case, though, that firstly, it's fr from all the evidence in, in South Africa that it's a much more or it, significantly more mild variant. Mm. We know from data we've seen yesterday that, that, that two jabs do provide a significant amount of protection from this more mild virus. On top of that, it, it seems that, that there is a degree of natural immunity, whilst it may not stop transmission, that will prevent serious illness. So you have to then factor that in. Mm. You've then got to factor in the fact that a significant number of people in the most vulnerable groups have already had the booster jab. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in my early 50s. I had the, I had the booster jab, I think it was like three three weeks ago. Mm. So they that you know in terms of that cascading scale of of age groups and vulnerability they'd reached me before the before the current panic mm. put all those things together i just don't understand how we are looking at this sort of this 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 nightmarish collapse of the nhs that 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 the that people are predicting at the moment. But isn't it time, Dan, that we kind of got a bit grown up about this nightmarish collapse of the NHS? Because, I mean, we hear it every single year. And we used to hear it every year before COVID ever came along anyway. You know, every single year you can find a headline that says the NHS is on the brink of uh, collapse. It's on, you know, its last legs. There's not enough nurses, not enough doctors, not enough money, not enough this, that and the other. And it's constantly in a crisis. I mean, they're constantly, apparently, fighting on all fronts. But in fact... Um, if the reality is to be uh, the one that I hear from people who ring me in uh, when they've been in hospitals, hospitals are not overwhelmed anywhere near overwhelmed at the moment. There, there was a guy that rang me yesterday who said he was in hospital the other week um, in two wards of six beds. There were four of those beds occupied out of 12. Um, and he said most of the time uh, the nurses were quite happily sitting around chatting away and being very nice to the patients and no complaints or anything like that. But there's a lot of evidence that many hospitals are not very busy. Well, I think I mean, I mean, I think that's that's the issue. I mean, what do, you know, what is this collapse of the NHS going to look like? I mean, at the moment, unless I'm missing something, there don't seem to be any preparations on the sort of scale that we saw uh, earlier in the COVID crisis. We don't seem to have Nightingale hospitals being set up. No. Um, so there doesn't seem to be the same sort of desperate uh, attempt to expand capacity. But also it comes back to, to another issue, and it's an issue that we've talked about, you know, many times when I've been on before, normally arguing from a different perspective. Mm. You know, we were told the vaccine was the route out of this crisis. We were told, here's the vaccine, you get your jab, that's it, no more lockdowns, mm. no more crisis, we will learn to live with the virus. Yeah. What, what's happened to that? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Where, it? where, where are we with that? And, and, and again, genuinely, I mean, seriously, you know, I'm open-minded on this. If we are facing, you know, a, a, a crisis on this scale, fine. But then let's let's discuss it and let's let's have the evidence. Because here's the other thing that's slightly frustrating, to put it mildly: you and I, and the country, are used to seeing Chris Whitty standing up there. You know, next slide, please. Mm. You know, graphs, details. This is where we are. 
apparently he sat down and said to the cabinet yesterday, the NHS is going to fall over in four weeks, you know, completely, you know, total collapse of services, hospital, you know, patients being turned, turned away, hospitals locking their doors, mm. which would be, I don't remember us being four, four weeks from that at any stage so far in this crisis. No. If that's where we are, where is the prime minister? Where is Chris Whitty? Mm. Where, where is Valence? Where's the press conference? Where's the discussion with the, the, the public? And where are the facts to so actually to support yeah. that analysis? Because we, we're not getting any of that at the moment. No. Well, I was listening to, I think it was Geoffrey Stringer on Julia's show this morning, uh, the Labour MP who voted against the measures as well. And he said that they had a meeting with the government um, uh, scientific advisors who assured them that they were following the science, assured them that they'd given the science to the government, but then wouldn't show them what the science was. Well, exactly. And, you know, That's you not just good enough, is it? No, of course it's not good enough. And, and, and you know, I've, I've got to be fair here. You mentioned Julia's show. As you, as you know, me and Julia have had markedly different views on this yeah. about the crisis. Julia's been doing the, well, save summer to, you know, give up summer and we'll save autumn and give up autumn, we'll save winter. And I've mm. been saying, no, come on, that's that's ridiculous. But look, if if this is as bad as we're being told, the cabinet is being told it is, then Julia was right, wasn't she? You know, those people who said, who said, oh, the vaccine doesn't make any difference. They'll still be trying to lock us down again when we get to this winter. She will have been, been proved to be well, right. I mean, well, unfortunately, yeah, I think I think that's right. And I mean, the thing is, we're, we're all big enough and ugly enough to admit that somebody else could have been right and you could have been wrong. The bottom line is, is that, you know, the suggestion that they have done this deliberately, I don't think I go along with. But what I do go along with is the fact that they're so overcautious and they're so over kind of tentative that they try to um, make decisions based upon what are dis- described as scientific kind of explanations as opposed to social policy explanations. And I think that's where they've gone wrong because they've listened to the scientists, but they haven't listened to anybody else. But I, I think that is one of the problems. I mean, it, it's quite clear. I mean, I was speaking to somebody in, in, in government about this yesterday. It's quite clear the decisions that are being taken at the moment are based on the modelling, mm. right? This, it's you all know, this- modelling. Fantastic! This fantastic modelling, which basically says two days ago we had two two hundred thousand cases, even though the, the the official figures were it was like fifty thousand cases. The modelling that shows this thing is doubling every two days, even though the official figures I think show that that, that cases actually increased by twelve percent. Mm. Yes, we, we we've moved. I mean, this is again another thing. The government gives us and publishes on a daily basis. COVID infection figures, which I presume, I, I presumed up until this point are what they're using to drive policy yeah. and that they're using to inform inform the public and those of us who comment in this sort of stuff. What we've now been told is, forget that, forget those figures that we actually publish every day, because we've got these super high-tech secret figures, which show it's actually much, much worse mm. than the figures we've been telling. Fine, then give us the, give us the other figures, publish the yeah. other figures. Well, this but is it. I mean, I saw, I saw a, a news report this morning, or I listened to one on, on, on another station, 60,000 um, infections today, but the real figure's thought to be a lot higher. And you go, sorry, um, well, how do you know the real figure is higher if the figure that you've measured is 60,000? Isn't that the figure? Exactly. And this is, you know, and, and, and we're told, OK, there's a bit of a lag. Fine. Tell us what's the lag. Tell us the time, right. you know, so we can look back like, is it, is it seven days? In seven days, will we be looking at figures that show a million people have mm. been inf- infected or 200,000? But, you know, again, you, you know, people are being asked. We, we had MPs being asked to vote yesterday on these measures, again, as you pointed out, without being given the facts. What? You know, I'm, I'm not some great conspiracy theorist. You know, you know, I've been on lots of times supporting lockdown, supporting yeah. these measures. But I just want to know what the facts are mm. so we can actually all make an informed decision because that's what that's how this sort of this whole democracy clock is yes. supposed to work. Well, that's it? right. But also the whole necessity, necessi- no, I can't say it, necessity to actually produce numbers of infections depends upon what that infection means as well. Because, you know, in, in the beginning, people getting infected with COVID, it was quite a frightening thing because you didn't really know what was going to happen to them. They could end up in hospital. They could end up in ventilators. If with Omicron, the number of infections is less harmful than that and people are less likely to end up in hospital less likely uh, to end up on ventilators and less likely to end up um uh, in 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 the graveyard then clearly it's a different argument isn't it yeah i mean but again this is the thing i understand the argument the argument that the the experts uh, supposedly are making is 
because this is much more transmissible, a lot more of us are going to have, uh, are going to catch COVID, have COVID at the same time. Completely understand that argument. But that, but as I said, that has to be balanced against. Firstly, we're starting from a much lower base mm. in terms of pressure on, on the NHS that we, than we were this time last year from COVID. Number, you know, very high numbers of people have now been double jabbed, which wasn't the situation last time. Very high numbers of vulnerable groups, which we were told, again, by the experts, it's the vulnerable groups that we have to focus on in this crisis. People in their 20s and 30s aren't, aren't, aren't so much of a problem. It's, it, it's older age groups. Fine. We have very high take up of, of, of the vaccine booster on that. Plus, it's a, plus it's a milder illness. Mm. Now, again, you know, and again, is it really the best use of what everybody is currently saying are scarce NHS resources to have the NHS putting aside, you know, other, if not emergency, still important treatments, setting aside the capacity for people to visit their GP so that we can get a, a booster jab into the arms of otherwise healthy 20 and 30 year olds? Mm. Because... This is something that, that that nobody seems to have mentioned about the vote yesterday. So we had we had the whole COVID passport vote yesterday. We're seeing these huge queues of, of, of people queuing up. Is that people queuing up because they're scared of getting COVID? Or is that people queuing up because they're scared if they don't get their jab, they won't be able to get the vaccine passport that will enable them mm. to go about their lives? Well, it could be a bit because of both, I suppose, couldn't it? Yeah, because why are we... It, it seems to me we are creating pressure on the NHS seriously why are we jabbing 20 and 30 yeah. year olds well only only this government um could reach sort of peak ridiculousness by calling on everybody to register online for a booster jab and then watch as the website crashes and then go <laughs> oh actually uh, we haven't even got the capacity if you do turn up to get one you'll have to wait a queue for five hours i mean i found that ex absolutely extraordinary um but but let's let's talk some more about that because i'm going to talk to you about boris johnson as well and his authority now after what happened last night uh, dan hodges with uh, from the mail on sunday is with us we'll be back with more uh, from dan hodges right here on talk radio next Talk Radio. Open discussion. Healthy debate. Talk Radio. Listen. Digest. Repeat. Understand. Smart people. Smart speaker. Smart TV. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Prime Minister's questions coming up, of course, later on today. It'll be the last one uh, of the year. Uh, Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson, who are now uh, of one mind, it would seem, even though Keir Starmer still thinks that Boris Johnson's not fit to lead. He voted with him and voted to support his uh, measures last night. It's all quite weird in a way. Uh, Dan Hodges is here, Man on Sunday commentator. Dan, I mean, it's going to be quite a strange atmosphere in the Commons, I imagine, today, because you've got, you know, the proper opposition now of the, of the, of the government it appears to be on its own side. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've sort of identified what is a what is a slightly strange anomaly in mm. terms of here uh, Starmer's strategy, which is throughout the crisis, he has constantly been looking at ways to weaponize COVID, to criticize the government, to criticize Boris on his strategy, mm. and he does that consistently, right up until the point when he can actually defeat the government in the House of Commons, and then he invariably backs off and. Mm. and and, and rose in behind. So in one sense, you're, abs you're absolutely right. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt. I mean, yesterday was, you know, was a deeply damaging moment for Boris and, you know, it, it, you know, a huge, it, in one sense, assault on, on his authority. But although I have to say, I'm not yet quite in the same camp as, as, as those who were saying, that's it. It's only a matter of time now. Boris is, Boris is mm. finished. Mm. I wouldn't write him off quite yet. No, I think it's difficult to write him off quite yet. But if there's a bad result in Shropshire tomorrow, um, and if those Tory MPs who voted against him, and there's plenty of them, um, do start agitating for a leadership contest, I mean, people say, oh, they won't want to do that because it would look bad in the midst of a pandemic. Um, but if the pandemic, I think, I think it's worse for Boris if the pandemic turns out not to be what he thought it was going to be. You know, if the Omicron variant turns out not to be that frightening and he looks as if he's gone a bit over the top, I think that's when he starts to look a bit difficult in, in difficulty. 
Maybe. I mean, I, I, I actually I actually think that, you know, the problem for Boris is if, if Omicron is, is is as bad or as worse as some of the experts are saying, and, and Boris has to lock, lock the country down again. I mean, I think that is, you know, that I, I mean, I know within Downing Street, that's what the, that's what they're most um, that's what that's what they're most terrified of. Mm. I think the, the, the one thing I mean, you mentioned the by-election. I mean, you know, I was speaking to people last week, Tory insiders, are kind of like resigned to losing it, or they certainly were last week mm. you know, in, the, in, in the wake of the whole party gate sort, sort of stuff. So in a sense, that's almost that's almost baked in. And, and actually, in a bizarre way, if if, if Boris would if they were to hang on, you know, if they were to win by like five hundred votes or something, that would actually be seen as a great achievement now. So well, it would. So you can you can lower expectations as much as you like, but nevertheless, to lose a twenty three thousand majority is a pretty frightening thing for anyone. It, it is, but but you know this this is what people forget. You know this is this is a government that's been in power since two thousand broadly since two thousand and ten, mm. and we are midterm. You know the, the government should be losing by elections like this. This is what you know. Everybody on the Labour side who's suddenly you know doing a you know a lap of honour and getting the you know getting their own curtains measured for yeah. uh, curtains measured for Downing Street because you know the the polls have the polls have shifted. You know, four, five, six point opinion polling at this stage of the parliament, that's still not good enough for Labour. Mm. That's still not where Labour should be. Labour should be 15, 20 points yeah. ahead by if it was seriously looking at being, at forming an alt- alt- alternative government. So, I, but, you know, you were saying, you know, it, it, it you know, Tory MPs won't move because it, it, it looks bad in the middle of the crisis. Don't you believe it? If, if Tory MPs think Boris is, is taking them off a cliff, they'll move crisis or no mm. crisis. Yeah, but no, key, I agree with that. You know, the key thing is at the moment, you know, we're still only a couple of years after Boris, you know, won with an 80 majority. I think I came on the programme, you know, after I'd been, I was out at the previous by-election in, in, in Bexley, you know, after we, you know, after we'd had the whole Pepper Pig Gate stuff. And people are still saying, people may like it, they may not like it. People are still saying, you know what, I quite like, I quite like Boris. Mm. You know, he kind of makes me laugh. I think he's doing his best. You know, when that changes... When, when, when people change and instead of saying, well, you know what, I quite like Boris, people are saying, oh, I've had enough of him. At that moment, Tory MPs will change. Mm. But, you know, anybody who thinks we're there yet is, is deluding themselves. We're not there yet. Now, we may be close to it, but we're not. Well, I don't think we're quite there yet. I think we're a lot closer to it than we've ever been. Let's put it that way. And I think that his stewarding of the latest sort of, you know, four to five weeks of the virus has not been great. Well, I think what you're I think the political danger for him and we saw it last night is it's not that he's getting criticism and is alienating people who who have always traditionally been opposed to him. He's now alienating his own supporters. Mm. And as you know, the the, 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 the the political dynamic is such that those who are very sceptical about lockdown or are completely opposed to another lockdown or, or additional members tend to be in the main on the political right i mean we saw jeremy corbyn voting with so it's, it's not a, it's not a, a, a perfect um sort of sort of situation but by and large the people who oppose lockdown tend to be amongst the, the group of people who actually you know voted for boris last time around mm. he starts to lose them you know substantively then he's got then he has got a serious political problem I think so. And actually, I'm quite pleased that Jeremy Corbyn voted with them because I think actually in traditional left circles, they should be against the lockdown as well because they should be more anti, you know, government interference really than uh, than Keir Starmer is. Well, I mean, I, you'll never catch me saying I'm pleased about anything that Jeremy Corbyn's done. <laughs> um, but uh, you, make a, you, you make a good point. I mean, we do have, I mean, it is, you know, at a moment of, you know, national crisis, we do have a bit of a political vacuum there. Now, you know, Keir Starmer and Labour. Obviously, Keir Starmer did his his own address to the the country, which I'm not entirely sure how many people watched, but he did it. Yeah. And the whole thrust of his thing was, "We're a patriotic party. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to back the we're going to back the government at this moment of national crisis." Now, as I said, actually, what he's been doing throughout the crisis is 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 carping about what the government's been doing and 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 and, and finding ways to criticise mm. them. Well, but even that's... I think even this morning he put out a tweet saying that you know the government is not doing is not leading the country properly, um, but we are single handedly saving the nation, which was all a bit well, disingenuous. I thought. I mean, like I said, I mean, you know, he, he, his strategy throughout has been to consistently criticise the government and then vote with the government. Yeah, and we obviously saw that. We, we we saw that yesterday. But that's his. You know, strategically, he thinks he's in a better position if he's if he's you know on, on at, at the moment of truth. Hmm. He seems 
back in the government and he may be right about that. Yeah, he may well be. So Prime Minister's questions today, what do you think? I mean, what kind of line of attack will uh, will Keir take? I think it's because it's the last one before Christmas. I think he's he's just basically going to try and just bundle everything in. We're going to have the we're going to have the whole you know he's going to throw the kitchen end sink of at year it. special. Yeah, we'll have we'll have we'll have you know we'll have parties. We'll have a bit of Peppa Pig. We'll have the economy. We'll have you know what's happening with COVID. You know the whole the whole thing, and it'll he'll have some sort of you know it's ridiculous. It's time for you to go, kind of end of end of end of term flourish I've yes. no doubt yeah no doubt it should be quite entertaining Dan well listen have a good Christmas if I don't see you and uh, we'll see you in the new year if not before the independent republic of Mike Graham on talk radio and right now though let's talk to Tom Hunt conservative MP for Ipswich who voted against the measures last night uh, alongside uh, practically well we're told it's a hundred uh, although it's 98 plus a possible other two I'm calling it a hundred uh, Tory MPs who voted against the government's wishes for vaccine passports. Tom, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Good thanks, morning. Very, thanks very much indeed for joining us. Um, what was the atmosphere like last night? Because um, it's quite, a, it seems quite a significant rebellion, this, um, and I think it shouldn't be uh, underestimated, really, by people. No, I mean, it, it, I mean, it wasn't... A, I mean, I didn't particularly enjoy uh, yesterday. I don't think... I, I didn't particularly uh, enjoy it. Um, I, I don't... I was elected as a Conservative Member of Parliament mm. and I, I, I don't like um, rebelling. I, I don't like not um, supporting the Prime Minister. Uh, so I, I, I took no joy in, uh, in, in rebelling and, and voting against the Prime Minister. I expect to be in the same lobby as the Prime Minister, not a different lobby. And, mm. and yesterday, of course, I was um, with a number of colleagues. Um, but I think that the view by many of us, for many of us, is that we are just uncomfortable, that it seems as though we are heading potentially towards something that will resemble a lockdown mm. and lockdown restrictions. I myself am desperately concerned about whether as a society and as a country, as an economy, we can even handle that. The fourth, the mere fourth of draconian restrictions is enough to send millions of people up and down the country into depression, to seriously impact the economy, people's livelihoods, never mind it actually happening. We've been living with this thing for around 20 months, and I just simply don't think we're in a position as a society to continue with this uncertainty and the devastating consequences of lockdowns. And if it is the case, that we behave in a just-in-case way when it comes to different variants of concern. But sadly, I don't know where this ends. Mm. Because, you know, if we get through Omicron and we do a research, well, actually, it's not as bad as we perhaps first thought. It, you know, it's obviously not ideal. It's spreading quickly. You know, so... But what happens in three or four months when there's another variant with 31 mutations mm. or 32 mutations? Where does it end? And millions of people thought it ended with the vaccine. And they're very happy to get behind that. And I'm very happy to get behind that. And I'm very happy to get behind the booster campaign. I'm going to have my own booster. But we can't continue. And it gets to a point where we've got to say that. Yes. We can't continue. Well, I think it's time, and I think a lot of people would agree with you, Tom, that it's time the government had a different strategy. You know, we all understand that it's been difficult. We all understand that it's not easy to work out precisely how to navigate your way through some of these very dark and unknown areas. But, you know, we have been dealing with it now for a lot longer than, than we had last year. Um, and it seems to me that um, there is a way of, of pivoting every time something happens, every time something um, goes on. But you, what you can't do as well is tell people that vaccines are the answer and then tell them some months later, well, it turns out vaccines are not the answer. Well, I think we, I think there's the issue of vaccine passports, but I think we need to be. Um, there was a very large number of members of Parliament who voted against um, that measure yesterday, mm. uh, and I think that vote in particular almost became a bit of a proxy vote, uh, not just for those who had concerns about what was being proposed with regards to those um, passports but also general concern 
about the direction of travel. You know, let's be honest at some of the things that have happened over the last, for example, the strong work from home guidance. There wasn't a vote on that. Mm. Um, so one can only guess as to what was motivating each member who voted uh, in that division of yesterday. I mean, I know that some will say that, of course, only vote on the thing in front of you. But frankly, if a thing that you really care about isn't in front of you, what do you do in those circumstances? Mm. So I, I think that, you know, I haven't been, I think I've been, you know, I mean, when the uh, roadmap out of the restrictions was was announced, I thought it's probably more cautious than I'd like. It's probably more slow than I'd like. But at least as there's one direction of travel and it's a positive direction of travel. OK, yeah, let's put up with that. But now we're in a position where after all of that, you know, and all the vaccines, it seems as though we're sliding towards a place where none of us want to go. Uh, and, and I think I appreciate the Prime Minister's in a very difficult position. Ultimately, he has the ultimate responsibility for making these decisions. And he also has a significant number of people in his ear, to, um, you know, who will be advising him to do different things. Mm. Uh, but I hope I hope that yesterday, there, you know, it gives hope to some millions of people in the country that there are actually, you know, um, some members of Parliament who uh, are absolutely acutely conscious of how devastating lockdown restrictions yeah. are, particularly when they seem never-ending. Particularly, I, I was going to say, I think for sure uh, people are very encouraged by the fact that so many of you did vote against the measures, but also there is a view that because of the numbers that you managed to turn out, it might actually influence the Prime Minister's uh, next move, if you like, so that had this not happened, there might well have been another lockdown in January, but perhaps now there won't be. Well, one could one could hope that that's the case, you know. And Omicron, you know, you know, it does look like it's milder than other forms of the variant. Um, it is spreading very quickly. Um, you know, we know that the boost makes a difference in terms of protecting people. So, I, I suspect that Omicron will put, um, you know, some some pressure on some significant mm. pressure on the NHS. But ultimately, in my view, that isn't a justification to after the, the last 20, 21 months we've had to continue to live a half-life. Mm. And for so long, we've been living half-lives. And actually, regardless of what the restrictions actually are, my concern is that this Christmas won't be much better than last Christmas. No. Because Christmas parties are being cancelled, close friends who are meant to be seeing each other are no, no, now no longer seeing each other. Um, and, and actually, the economic effect is is significant, particularly for the hospitality sector. So, and I, I, it is the case. It is the case that we're actually much better than many other countries, perhaps most other countries. You know, we look at Austria and Australia, and they are much more uh, draconian, in my view, when it comes to restrictions. But, you know, we are, you know, Great Britain and Northern Ireland, you know, surely... We're a great country, you know, and if we we should set the example, we shouldn't be afraid of doing that. We shouldn't be afraid of doing that because often people say, well, you should be lucky that we've got it like we've got it here because it could be a lot worse. It could be like Australia. It yeah. could be like Austria. And I'm just saying, well, what? since when do we look to those countries to decide what we do? Mm. We're Britain. If we think something's wrong, we change it. And if we think that the logic behind something is faulty, we address it. And, you know, we need to live with uh, COVID and, we need to get our economy going. Uh, we've already spent £407 billion on the consequences of it. Uh, and as I said before, I am desperately concerned about mental health. You know, and, and, and some of my colleagues have said before, they're annoyed at those who say, oh, I had a good lockdown. Yeah. Because perhaps they've got an incredibly large house with a big garden and nice, stable circumstances at home. Yeah. That is the case for everyone, particularly younger people mm. whose lives have been blighted and continue to be blighted by lockdown restrictions. When they themselves are incredibly unlikely mm. to get anything other than something resembling a cold if they get Omicron. Well, I think that's the important point, because the other damage that's already been done um, has already been done, if you like. You know, people have been cancelling Christmas parties. People have been cancelling um, various events that were going to be held over Christmas. Hotels have lost loads of business. Lots of um, hospitality businesses have basically gone under again because people's reactions to what the government has done have been very negative. You know, so it's not necessarily that the government has to put all of these restrictions into place. They kind of happen by themselves. 
I mean, there is a yes, and I think that the you know if we look at the actual uh, the free the the free votes there were yesterday on three different statutory mm. instruments. Yes, of course, if you if you if you look at them one by one, you know, and if it was just about that, I think a lot of colleagues probably would have stomached it. But it's the it's the whole tone, and it's and it's the impact it's having, mm. and the de- general desire of where we may be heading, where we really don't want to go. Um, so I think, um, it's, it's very, it's, it's not, I am, I, yes, it's not good for a prime minister that, you know, that there's been such a big rebellion, but I must say that I continue to have faith in the prime minister. Uh, I think I, I, and I root, I'm rooting for the prime minister, uh, and, and I, and I still hope and believe that he will get through this Mm. uh, and I'm there to support him. But he needs to, I think, reflect upon the strength of feeling there is within the parliamentary party. Yes, I think so. I mean, Sir Geoffrey Clifton Brown basically said uh, that it's a very big rebellion. Um, He's got to now be in some danger. He's got to realise it because if he doesn't, he'll be in much bigger danger. And he's suggesting that Boris needs to kind of change his approach to COVID in the new year. Would you echo that? I, I, I do feel as though uh, we need a pro- an approach to COVID that involves living full lives and living without fear. Hmm. Um, th- that is my view. And my concern at the moment is that we're heading in a direction with the way in which we manage COVID that, isn't, that doesn't sit comfortably with that, that strategy that, that is respectful hmm. of those things. So I... I um, as I say, when I got elected as a member of parliament, I knew I'd have to make difficult decisions and I knew there'd be occasions where I'd have to just, you know, uh, you know, support the government, even though I might not necessarily want to on certain occasions. Because, you know, if you're elected as a MP for a major party, you expect to do that. Hmm. I was not expecting to have to make decisions of the sort of things we were making yesterday, but are so intrinsic to the running of our society, freedoms, liberties, everything else. Uh, and um, I'm, I don't see myself as a rebellious chap. I really don't. I don't. And I'm, I continue to be a supporter of the prime minister. Uh, but isn't to say, you know, I, and, and I, I, uh, but I, I hope that people recognise the significance of what happened yesterday and they reflect upon it. Um, because I don't want to be in a position where I'm asked to vote on uh, restrictions that are even stronger, perhaps, than the ones that I voted on yesterday. Mm. I don't want to do that again. I don't. And I, I know, I, and I, I just think that there are millions of people in this country who are shadows of their former selves as a consequence of the COVID pandemic. Yeah. And they need to grow strong again. They need to live with confidence. And to do that, we need to move beyond COVID and learn to live with it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Tom, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Tom Hunt, Conservative MP for Ipswich, telling us why he voted against the government, much uh, uh, against his better judgment. He didn't want to vote against the government, but he couldn't bring himself to vote for them, given the vaccine passport situation. And I think he's right. There's no question now in my mind that the Tories have to pressurise Boris Johnson into making a different way of dealing with COVID, a different approach to COVID. No longer this kind of stop, start, hit and miss kind of lockdown now, lockdown later, lockdown a week on Friday, lockdown next month, lockdown next day. You can't just keep changing and moving the goalposts. It doesn't work, I'm afraid. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Dave Mountford, founding member of the Forum of British Pubs and also a publican. Dave, a very good morning to you. Hi, Mike. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. I know this must be a tip, very difficult time for you guys because uh, I've been following some friends of mine on uh, social media who have got bars and who have got restaurants. And, you know, some of the sort of tales of woe that I'm seeing are really quite horrendous. You know, nobody's ordered anyone to stop serving um, Christmas dinners and nobody's told anyone not to have Christmas parties. And yet loads of people have cancelled everything. Yeah, I mean, it's worth revisiting where we are where we were and where we are now. Um, if you remember, you know, th- this pretty much happened back in March um, 2020, when the first thing that happened w- was there was this announcement that, that people should be aware of this virus. And that pretty much killed the industry um, stone dead before we were officially locked down. So, mm. you know, we, we, had a, we had a week, 10 days there when, when nothing was going on. So it's not as though the government doesn't know that that sort of uh, reaction is going to do us damage. Now, since then, we've been locked down twice. Hmm. We've been encouraged and have made a, a vast amount of um, investment in the business to make sure that we could open safely, uh, which is what we've done. We've borrowed money, which the government has, uh, you know, given it, given uh, made available to us at you know reasonable rates and everything else. Hmm. Um, and we've been supported. Re- you know, I wouldn't describe well because the, the support has been um, quite poor in terms of financially uh, comparing to, to, to uh, the costs of running a pub, keeping a pub open uh, are extortionate. I don't the government's got the slightest idea of what those are. The majority of pubs have been charged full rent while they've been shut or partial rent while they're open for a very mm. short period of time. Um, so, you know, we've never had the opportunity to really recover. We were getting there. We were looking forward to Christmas. Um, and now this, and um, you know, it's it's it is a bit of deja vu. Mm. Uh, it is desperate times for a lot of people. Some are in better positions than others. But if you're a city centre pub right now, um, you know, if you're a pub in London, for example, and you're suddenly your your uh, work the potential customers being told that they're going to have to work from home, um, well, Boris doesn't have to dick put his hand in his pocket, does he? No. He's done. He's, He's done everything he needs to do. Mm. Um, you know, it is it is terrible. It, it really is. And, and we're seeing, you know, our members are, um, you know, calling out for help. And that help isn't there. We don't know when it's going to be there. Mm. We don't even know what the situation is going to be. We don't know how to order. How does, I mean, myself, you know, I don't know what, we got a, one order before Christmas. Do we go for it and then end up with a load of stock yeah. that is going to be wasted? These are all of the decisions that we have to make. So, no, it's not good times. Well, this is what I always say that, you know, the uncertainty in a way is worse than an actual proper decision. You know, a bit like when they had the tiered system and some publicans used to say to me, you know, we'd rather be in tier three than tier two, because in tier two, you can only have certain numbers of people in the pub and they have to sit far away from each other. In tier three, you can actually shut it down and get furlough and they'd rather be able to do that. And I mean, at the moment, as far as I'm aware, there's no furlough being offered to any pubs, are they? They're not asking you to close. So you're no. just having to figure it out. No, there's absolutely no, I mean, we just, no, there's nothing. I mean, you know, we've just been told that, um, well, we haven't been told anything, have we? You know, and, and nobody's really been directing anything towards us. So there, there'll be, I mean, I can understand why there'll be a lot of people out there listening to this, finding it frustrating because, you know, we've not been told that we have to have masks mm. um, in the pubs. We've not been told to put back the restrictions that we used to have. Right. Um, and, you know, yeah, I get that. Um, but actually what what's happened is our customers have been told that they have not you know, been told they can't go out to social gatherings. They shouldn't, they, mm. they should do all of these things, which directly affects us. Yeah, right. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it feels this time around as though um, whilst the government listened to the, some of the issues that we were facing in the industry, they have kind of, um, they've kind of shut us down by stealth. Mm. 
without it having to. I mean, that's the cynic in me, you know. And, and well, I can't, dealt... I can't see any other way to describe it. Well, to be no, honest, no, neither can I. And I mean, I've dealt with this government now uh, for the last ten years, and the previous government before them. And and uh, I know I've been on this program talking about the uh, the legislation that was supposed to help tie tenants in the past, who have been shafted by the continual abuse. Um, of the landlords mm. that, that own of these pubs. So I've dealt with this government. And I know this government have been woefully weak when it comes to the support of, of pubs in particular and hospitality in general. Um, but, uh, but I mean, yeah, we've not got it bad, as bad as perhaps, perhaps the nighttime economy who have just been, you know, their, their customer base have been told that they can't go in without wearing masks. So, you know, it's, it's no, Mike, it's not good. And uh, we need a resolution. We need to know. What bothers me more than anything else is the uh, is the fact that you know, we, we, and again we're some we're we're guessing, but we do get this feeling that he is very reluctant to do anything this side of Christmas, and in January he's going to uh, you know he's going to pull the plug on us, um, and that bothers me a great deal. Because... And what does that mean for you before Christmas though? Does it mean that you can? I mean, if you've got a bar or a pub in a city where some people might have spent, say, for example, most of next week going out for lunch, maybe having a bit of dinner, going out drinking. Are you saying that the, the, the business is, is more or less dead now? Well, it, for a lot of pubs, it, it is. I mean, we, we're seeing, I mean, it's affected us and we're, we're a country pub, you know, we're in the middle of the Peak District yeah. and, it, and we're about 30% down. And we would normally be taking between 12 and 15 grand. Last week we took eight. Now, um, you know, we're facing the decisions about what this week is going to be like. It's it's quiet already. Do we do we do we lay people off? Do we do we? How do you manage your staff? You know, uh, it, it is extremely difficult. So, for a pub that's in the middle of a city centre, that is reliant on you know customers that are you know perhaps commuting or, or working locally, and they're just no longer there. Uh, it's it's just it's killing them it's killing them stone dead and the, and the key point is none of us have recovered from last time we're all carrying more debt we're all carrying mm. you know a great deal more um indebtedness than we, than we did then um so your and, margins and the, so your margins are smaller presumably as well then. without a doubt and i mean you know it's well recognized that this industry has been struggling for a considerably long time. Mm. You know, a lot of pubs went into the pandemic in trouble. Um, and of course, I would say probably the majority of those we've lost. Um, so, you know, when you've got Rishi Sunak going live on TV, talking about the, the pub rent, the average pub rent is between 15 and 20 grand a week, when in fact the average pub rent is somewhere around about 60 grand, uh, 60, sorry, 15 or 20 grand a year, when the average pub rent is 60 grand a year, mm. You know, that gives you an idea of how far apart the understanding of government yeah. is to our situation. An average pub costs somewhere around about two grand just to keep, you know, gas and electricity going mm. through it. And that's when it's shut, you know, two grand a month. Yeah. So it certainly has does. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I don't think so Rishi Sunak spends a lot of time in pubs, I'm afraid. Well, well, I, well I don't think, well, well, Boris does. And he should know. Well, he's, you... He's, you know. He's very quick to get out there uh, when he's doing something supposedly positive by reducing... Yeah, but I don't think he knows what anything costs, though, because he's, never, he's one of these guys who never pays for anything. He's like the Queen, you know. You know, but, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, we, we are talking to government. We are we are getting some decent support from from some of the backbenchers. Um, you know, some of the MPs. Uh, I met with uh, the, uh, James Daly yesterday, who's the MP for Berry, Conservative MP. Uh, very supportive of our predicament, and he's doing everything he can to uh, to to raise this issue, uh, and and will continue to do so, I'm sure. But we we seem to be hitting this economic issue where you know whereby there is potentially no money to support us, mm. and therefore this is an easier route for for, for government at the moment. Um, yeah, it is, it's frightening. It's very frightening. It's um, it's affecting a lot of people's mental health. Um, and we're, you know, as, as, as an organisation, we're, we're seeing that every day. Yeah, it's awful. Horrendous. Listen, I feel your pain, Dave. We'll try and do whatever we can do uh, to get them to make some form of decision uh, so that you can actually get on with the rest of your lives and figure out what to do for the next few weeks. Dave Mountford, thank you very much indeed uh, from the former British pubs, a publican himself, of course, in the Peak District. It is a nightmare. You cannot run businesses on uncertainty. You cannot run anything without knowing what the future holds. You cannot go 
let's go and buy a load of booze and let's go and buy a load of food because next week's going to be terrific in the pub business because it's not. Because people have stopped going. People have cancelled dues. People have cancelled parties. People have cancelled receptions. And it ain't happening, ladies and gentlemen. And I think that is entirely wrong. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Listen on DAB+. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on uh, Talk Radio. We are getting close to Christmas, not yet close enough. We've still got a few weeks, well, not a week and a bit to go. Uh, we just had the last Prime Minister's questions. I'm delighted to say Kate Howell's back, Director of Communications and Engagement at Borough Market. Very nice to see you. Lovely to see you too. I mean, I think I might have seen you last Christmas. I'm not sure if I've seen you between now and then. <laughs> but you have brought what I can only describe as a marvellous array of seven different cheeses. We've brought you some cheese. Because, I mean, Christmas is, is about many things, including cheese I suppose well, you'd say. I think you know it's about I mean it's kind of ironic at the moment seeing people but really when we're looking at the food the cheese board quite often is the star of the mm. show at Christmas and yeah and tonight at Borough we're doing all things cheese so we're um we're open this evening for our evening of cheese which oh, is what it says oh, so people can go, and, tins, go so along can and join in join in till eight o'clock okay um so from six to eight so the normal market's running today but okay. from six to eight just our cheesemongers are open with cool. some mulled wine and some hot cider and some beer thrown nice. in. And they'll all be the producers there. So if you want some tips on what to put mm. on your cheese board, whether you like classic or whether you want to give people a bit of taste of something different, okay. get down and see our traders. And, and is, see what it, is got all to of this recommend. from different parts of the world? So or? it's uh, an array, yes. Because I was thinking, I've done kind of themed cheese mm. boards before. We've looked at different countries, but I think the best thing with Borough, you know, we've got 150 traders, the 20 odd cheesemongers. They're experts from around the world. So there's yeah. a selection, you know, that's a cross-section there, which is the best way to play it. Um, and I haven't even, you know, I'm not I'm not a good Swansea girl here. I haven't brought you any Welsh cheese, but oh there dear. is Welsh cheese there. I have but had, there Welsh, is a, che- I have had yeah? Welsh cheese at Burmarket. Gorwith Caerphilly is a very famous yeah. Welsh cheese, but I have brought you um, the same producers as Gorwith uh, Caerphilly. So um, cheddar, which a lot of people, you know, see and perhaps wouldn't put on a cheese book, but there's yeah. a, a very special cheddar there called Pitchfork Cheddar. Oh, and, and that's, that's this one um, here, isn't it? That's that one there. And that's made by the Trotharan brothers who, who make that. Go- yeah, have a little one. slice of that. Um, it's not overly mature because sometimes you get quite, um, you know, some people feel they don't want the full maturity of a, a kind of feisty cheddar mm. there. So that's just been aged for about 11 months. Um, mm. It's got, you know, it's got, it's quite characterful. It should be a bit of kind it's got of... a lovely texture as well, Yeah, it? earthiness in mm. there. Kind of crowd pleaser. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's... Um, We've got also great um, Borough Cheese Company who've been with us for nearly 20 years. Now, one of the things about Borough with the cheesemongers, they're either the people who produce it themselves right. or they've got really close relationships with people over in France. They might be the only suppliers, so they're kind of going over to whichever country they're sourcing from and having kind of tastings with their suppliers. So okay. um, Borough Cheese, which is run by a great guy called Dominic, um, he's been with us for 20 years. He's a specialist, if you know, which you do, Mike, Borough really well. One of the stores that's got the huge rounds of Comptes, you know, really impressive. But mm. we've brought you some Gouda in from them, okay. um, which is 18 months, if that's you can find it. Yeah, it? like yeah. kind of orangey colour. Yeah. Um, so that's 18 months aged. Um, it's got quite a, like a little, you should be able to get a little bit of crystal crunch in there. Okay. Um, it's a mm. little bit, you know, kind of, I mean, it's not, but you know when you get a punchy parmesan and you get that little a crystal. A little sharper, isn't it? A little bit sharper, mm. yes. Um, so, I'm loving these little biscuits as well. So they're from a great trader called the Cracker Company. Mm. Um, so you've got um, a selection there. There's a kind of rye biscuit and um, a seeded cracker. And do you know what? Actually thinking about the crackers, thinking about what you serve it with. We haven't brought you today, but any of the chutneys, any of the dried figs, any of the jellies, yes. um, the traders will have all of that just to kind of give you I mean, a bit I remember of you brought me some of that before. Yeah, really some good. of the jelly that is brilliant mm. with it. Um mm. Mm. So I, I like you know, the a, the meal, a meal in itself. It's not just at the end of Christmas. You mm. know, I think if you, you know, we all get a bit, you know, we cook ourselves out at Christmas. If you can just put a lovely cheese board down one evening mm. um, with the family, you know, it can be a real highlight. Um, and we've also got on there, um, if you have a look at the one that's called Doorstone, which is kind of the goat's cheese. This now, that's it. Here. That's the one that looks like a now cylinder. This, and this looks quite cool. Because <laughs> if you, somebody showed you that, you're, yeah, that's not cheese, is it? Oh, it is. 
Okay. Yeah, so that's, I mean, as a visual as well for, um, so if you cut into that, I don't know, no, goat's cheese, I don't know how you feel about that, I'm but a it's, fan uh, of goat's oh, brilliant stuff. So you'll like this one, hopefully. Mm. Um, it's this quite white, will, isn't it? Yeah, that should contrast really nicely with the cheddar. Do you, I mean, can you eat the, the rinds? Yeah, you can absolutely eat the rinds on that one, but if you look at the lovely colour when you cut it, yeah, it's very white, very pale. So this is from um, Neil's Yard Dairy, who are the brilliant cheesemongers. Mm. Dan from Monmouth Coffee on Park Street, yep. one of our you know, experts in British cheese, source from around, you know, really, you know, if you want some advice, nothing better than if you can't make the evening of cheese tonight, go okay. to Neil's Yard Dairy. Or in fact, now a number of our cheesemongers are online, so I know a lot of people might not be able to get to us tonight, but I would encourage them if they okay. are. You know, we're keeping it safe. It's an outdoor market space. Good. But don't forget that we're um, Borough Market's online as well, so you mm. can get these quite specialist mm. cheeses quite easily delivered lovely. to you. It's not too it's not too um, sour. You know how some yeah. goat's cheese is a little bit sour? Yeah, it can be quite sour. That's mm. quite a mild, quite rounded. Very mild, yeah. Yes. Um, and then there's a young pecorino on there. That's from a trader called Bianca Amora, who... Pecorino actually kind of comes in quite a yeah, lot of I'm guises. Good at this, you know, I yeah, went, you've I got it. You that. went straight in. So I'm actually getting quite good at recognising. Yeah, this is good. Mm. You don't need the labels, look. Well, I kind of do. <laughs> I'm going to say you don't. I mean, I do need them. This is the thing. When I'm trying, you know, I'm not the cheese expert here. Our traders mm. are the experts. That's the brilliant thing about Borough. They're really experts. So if you don't be afraid, I Pecorino think we've, is um, lovely. I love it. We've lost the um, the art of conversation in shopping, and I think that's something that's unique about Borough and other mm. markets just have that conversation people can get a bit kind of scared or they're picking up stuff in supermarkets that's you know packed and ready and putting it in the trolley actually part of the joy of this is mm. discovering if you don't like it you can taste it they're there to talk you through and they'll let you taste it as well won't absolutely they? let you taste it have that conversation with them you know they're so passionate mm. i mean if you've got 20 minutes to spare these are the guys to talk yeah. to about cheese mm. and and all the other produce we've got so um yeah and also on that board there so did you how did you find that pecorino i love it really yeah? like the pecorino. i'm a fan of pecorino Good. Good. So it's kind of um, easy. It's easy to, to eat. Yeah, it's quite a crowd pleaser. And I think with this, what Ed Smith has done with this curation to give it. I mean, can you can you create a cheese? I'm going to so. say yes. Mm. So he's put some crowd pleasers kind of in the centre of it, that okay. chair to that pecorino, and then he's gone a bit kind of wild card around okay. the edges. And um, yeah, it's past twelve o'clock, so we're all right. There's a drunk cheese the on drunk there, cheese Mike. I've seen. Now there's a couple of little. Um, are these little? Um... So what have you got? Yeah, those are some dried um, some some dried grapes. Are I they think, dried ho- grapes? I'm hoping. Mm. Yeah. Okay. You proved me wrong. So that's quite a good starter. So there's a, a drunk cheese on there. We've got a great tree, trader in our green market area. So it'll be part of the evening of cheese tonight. Um, Lubriaco, mm. who yeah. specialise in these drunk cheeses. Now that one is a soft blue, yeah, but really special. Um, it's been soaked and what they call swimming in an Italian dessert wine. Mm. So that's where the boozy punch comes from. It. Quite sweet. Um, you don't need a lot of it per biscuit, you know, watch it. But that's a really nice mm. way to round off. And, you know, people won't have ex- kind of experienced it before. So if you want to give people something mm. special, that's a really good one on there. Delicious. Yeah. So I think the only one we've um, slightly missed there, and I'm going to take you back to this again from a Mons Cheesemongers. Um, there's a soft white rind cheese, if you see it. It's a French one. So it's the one that we haven't What's got to. Yeah. So in the packet. So people might be more... You know, it kind of in the area of brie and camembert that mm. people like to see on a cheese board. But this one's a yeah, little a bit, bit special. This is based, I'd say, see what you think, but it's kind of got, if you were going to describe it, like a double cream flavour to it. Okay. Um, little bit of a tang. Ed Smith regards this from Mons Cheesemongers, in his words, as a bit of a beauty of a cheese. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah? Hit the spot. I know the Mons guys. Yeah, they're brilliant. I John spent, John. I spent Truck. a lot of time with them at the beginning of the year when... Um, it was one of the few places you could actually shop still, you know, and I, and I discovered they have an amazing um, array of Swiss cheese, which is similar to like cheddar. Yeah. But they've got like three or four different kinds. I can't remember. And I was always, always going back and I'm like, I can't remember what it is, but I need some more of it. And they would never remember either. So we'd go through all these kind of different variations. It was great fun. Well, that's the joy of it. And, mm. you know, like cheese, don't people don't kind of realise is seasonal. So there might be something different mm. in stock. Right. And as you've discovered, go back and chat to them. Yeah. They're the experts. And, um, you know, Borough has stayed open through this year. It's open at the moment. We're open every day, including right. Christmas Eve. Okay. So, um, we're there. Until Christmas Eve? so we're there till three o'clock on Christmas Eve. Okay. So don't panic if you haven't got your shopping in. They all will right. be, all of our traders are open every day, including Sundays now. So we're open, extended on a Sunday in the run up to Christmas till 4pm. Okay. Um, so, you know, goose, turkey, beef, whatever you're cooking this year. Mm. 
um, whether you'd be vegan or not, there's a whole array of stuff. And also, do you know, it's the joy of shopping. It isn't stressful. It's a great place to shop. Yeah. It's a wonderful place. You know I'm the biggest fan of Borough Market anyway. So well, pretty we're, to, we're good fans need, of yours as well. You won't need to persuade me. <laughs> and so now just one left, which is the, the blue, right? The blue. So you've got a Bath blue there. Um, so this is made by Hugh Padfield and his family down in Bath. Um, again, they're producers of this cheese. So it's quite a mellow blue. Mm. So it's, it's their classic. It's their Bath blue. Um, well, that's really nice. Yeah, organic milk mm. in that. Um, their own herd of cows there. If you go and visit them, they do a lot of education work with the local mm. community. Um, you know, British produced, lots of uh, powerful flavour there. Um, but it's not kind of no. It's lovely though. Yeah, good. That might be my favourite. Is it? That's it might a, be. It's I mean, a maybe it's just because it's a run right at the end. But it's maybe just... maybe you should go back to the beginning mm. just to check. Well, I'm going to be here for a while. <laughs> um, I'm going. Hmm, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have to um, enlist the help of some others. Yeah, I think, well, that would only be polite. If I eat all this it. cheese, I might have to call for an ambulance. Yeah, that's it. But um, yeah. have a little, go back round it. And as I say, all these cheeses tonight will be at the Gorgeous. evening of cheese at the market. And um, come and come and see our traders from uh, 6 to 8 tonight. It's a really special evening Brilliant. every year. Well, fantastic, Kate. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, and we shall be enjoying these for the next hour, I'm sure. <laughs> um, Kate Howell, Director of Communications and Engagement at Borough Market. Uh, thank you very much indeed. We'll see you soon. I'll see you over there at some point, I'm sure. Um, go and get some cheese. If you're in London, go to Borough Market. Uh, if you're not in London, go look at it online. And this stuff is incredible. It's all very, very good. And I'll put a couple of pictures out so you can see what it looks like. Um, this is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Across the UK. Online. On DAB. And on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.